In this week's episode of Let's Talk About It, we're going to start off with our Faith in Context segment, Exploring Holy Dating. We're going to get into all of the details. What can you do? What can't you do? And what does all of this have to do with purity culture? Sure, you'll enjoy. Then we're going to shift into our relationship segment, and we're going to finally talk about ghosting. What is ghosting? What leads to ghosting? What's the impact of ghosting? All the good stuff. So you're here. You've joined us. Now let's talk about it. Well, hello there. Yo. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk About It. I'm Malcolm Morgan. And I'm Micah Morgan. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> Just going to fill in that silence there or, yep. or no. Yep. Oh, you know, just just kicking it, kicking back, chilling. Chilling out, maxing, relaxing, out, cool. <laughs> oh, no, that's not where I even started. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing well. Yeah. Got a a very uh very applicable, very uh Ooh, connected episode today. Look at all them you know? syllables. I know. Okay. Yeah. So I'm excited about this conversation. Me too. Yes. I like when things come together, feel cohesive. You know? Love it when a plan comes together. <laughs> So we are beginning with holy dating today. Holy dating, Batman. (laughs) Now, we're, of course, calling this holy dating as a play on what I would imagine a lot of folks who are listening to us have heard as they've grown up. If you're a millennial like us, a black Christian millennial, you have probably heard this phrase thrown around, holy dating, right? I think when I think about holy dating, I cannot help but to think about my teenage years Mm -hmm. and all of the magical, mysterious rules that I was constantly discovering by accident (laughs) or, you know, discovering through overhearing conversations that, you know, older church members were having about us young people and what we were doing in the dating realm. Um, and the first word that comes to my mind is stressful. Mm. <laughs> like, you know, here I was, a teenager, and of course, one of the things we were obsessed with just because that was our developmental stage is just figuring out like relationships and mm-hmm. our hormones are raging and our bodies are saying, oh, hey, look, you are romantically and sexually attracted to other humans. And you're trying to navigate all of that. But then you have this messaging coming from the adults in your life about all the do's and don'ts of of that part of your being. But then also what will happen if you don't do (laughs) do it the right way? Like you get sent to hell for these random reasons that you don't don't even really know about until one of the adults gets upset with you so it's just really interesting as I look back on on my teenage years what about you like when you think about 
your high school years, middle school years? How did you experience dating? There wasn't a whole lot of like practical dating advice for mm. for uh, high school. I mean, middle school, definitely not. But even in high school, there's no practical dating advice. It's yeah. all like, it's all really cryptic. Like you better not be doing that or you better not be doing that. Right. You know, it's, 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 it's like, okay, so how do I actually navigate this tricky time of my life? Yeah. Where my hormones are telling me things that I know I shouldn't be doing or I shouldn't be thinking about or whatever. It certainly was a whole lot of you bet not. Yeah, it's a not. whole lot of bet not. <laughs> not a whole lot of maybe you should try. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I feel like there's all sorts of um, adults. How do you navigate dating and meeting people? And then as mm. kids, it's like, mm. <laughs> Just a whole lot of just leeriness. But I think some of that is a lot of it comes from especially in parents not wanting people to relive what they what they know that they did. That part. What they know that they was doing. Yeah, <laughs> that. And for me, now, you know, being an adult, you know, we, we haven't been blessed with children at this point in our lives, but as I'm partnering with teens as a counselor as I'm you know I've got teenagers that I just share life with in our community and I see like the the tenuous nature of Mm -hmm. you know the way that a not fully developed brain can think of decisions Mm -hmm. and relationships and just sometimes it just don't go well Mm -hmm. right and on this side of it, I can see how an adult who's caring for that teenager can just be on edge. Like, oh my gosh, just please don't do this yeah. the way that I did it. And so I can I can respect that a lot of the messaging that, that I was sent about dating and the crypticness of it and mm-hmm. the, you know, kind of a, aggression of mm-hmm. it was really rooted in in fear and like a yeah. loving fear that I just really don't want you to go through yeah. what I went through. It, it puts pressure, pressure on you to date perfectly. Mm-hmm. Like there's no room for Mistakes. a mistake, but really, I mean, dating, especially do your teenage is you're experimenting. You're learning what your boundaries are. You're learning what things you do want. You don't want, um, you know, what things do you enjoy to do on a date? What you know, all all that is a learning experience. But mm-hmm. you feel an intense amount of pressure for okay, I need to get this like this needs to last. It's better because I gotta like prove that I'm not out here being immature. But especially as a teenager, that's not really what you're doing. You're just enjoying having a good time, meeting people and and trying to have some semblance of companionship and and uh and friendship at at that part of your life. Absolutely. You know, and I I think what what I would have appreciated was, and I think I did get this like later on in my life, maybe around just like my late teens, Mm -hmm. is more honesty about sexual intimacy. Like Mm. when I was younger, like 13, 14, 15, there was just this like, you just bet not do it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay. And then you got the youth pastor that comes you know, to the youth revival talking about, you know, we're going to talk about it today. We're going to talk about sex. Mm-hmm. And there's this weird dichotomy of it feels great, but don't do it. It's like, okay, you're telling a bunch of 13 year old brains not to do something mm-hmm. that you say feels really great. Yeah. 
they're going to absolutely do it. Yeah. Uh, but as I got older, older teens, I had, you know, older women like in their 20s finally tell me like, look, the reason why we, you know, our parents, aunties, uncles were so cryptic about it was because when we're in that really young age, we just don't have the capacity to make the decisions that mm-hmm. we need to right. to safely engage in mm-hmm. sexual intimacy. And that's safely physically and safely emotionally. Yeah. And so when they like when that was explained to me, I was like, oh, and then I had some relationships, some dating relationships where that became very tangible that mm-hmm. like, oh, I probably don't want to be sexually intimate with this person because they don't have the capacity to treat me well (laughs) Mm -hmm. or they don't have the capacity to, for me to trust them with the most intimate parts of myself. Like all of that started to click. And I just, I wonder if someone had really tried to explain that to me when I was 13, 14, if I wouldn't have had such like anxiety Mm -hmm. because there was so much mystery and so much shame around dating Mm -hmm. All that was left was just being anxious and confused about it. But if someone had just said, like, look, we're telling you this because you need some time to develop the skills and the capacity that you need in order to do this safely. Yeah. I think I would have been like, oh, okay. Yeah. I think, you know, it's a lot of setting boundaries, but there's a lot of gray area in between. Like, how do I navigate that? You give me a list of rules, but I don't really understand why it's it's hard to follow that. Right. Right. It's hard and it's hard to trust that you're not just putting limits on me. And the reason I think it was so hard to trust is because you've already told it. Like in Hollywood also doesn't hide anything, right? Mm-hmm. right? And porn is way too available, mm-hmm. you know, when we were growing up. And so we already know that this is a pleasurable thing. Mm-hmm. So you're basically telling us like this is a really horrible thing but we have all of these other indicators that say otherwise Mm -hmm. so i think what that ended up doing is breeding a little bit of kind of distrust Mm -hmm. i know between like me and some of my peers of adults Mm -hmm. because it's like okay you're shaming us for having these feelings wanting to be coupled wanting to explore romantic relationships but here I have, you know, Hollywood and hypersexualized imagery telling me that this is a really enjoyable thing. Something's mm-hmm. not the math ain't mathing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's conflicting messaging, mm-hmm. and especially you know, young a young person with hormones raging, and you're getting different messages from home, different messages from the TV, from music, from all these different things. Um, but I think as Christians, it's important to orient ourselves in a way mm-hmm. um, and toward things where we can get the right messages. And so right. as we kind of pivot in the conversation, what does scripture say about dating? And do, or does it, let's start there. Does scripture say anything about dating and how can we use wisdom from the Bible <laughs> to guide us in our dating relationships? Oh boy, this is the question, isn't it? <laughs> I honestly think the short answer is no. Mm. I think I think scripture doesn't say anything speci- about dating specifically mm-hmm. because that that wasn't that wasn't really a concept that wasn't a, a behavioral norm mm-hmm. in the cultural context of scripture like at the time that these 
scriptures were being orally transmitted and then eventually written down. Like dating wasn't a thing. Mm -hmm. You were typically betrothed to a man, you know, as a woman Mm -hmm. at a, you know, around the age of 13 ish. Mm -hmm. And there was a process that led up to you eventually Mm -hmm. moving to that man's estate with his family Mm -hmm. and eventually being in a a marital relationship. Right. Right. There, There wasn't this concept of like, exploring your emotional and physical boundaries and learning self-control within a romantic relationship and then breaking up and then finding another part like that wasn't a thing. And so I think what has ended up happening over time is that folks have read scripture and they've kind of canonized the culture that's captured in scripture Mm. rather than kind of exploring, okay, what concepts about relationships can we take and apply to this very modern Mm -hmm. experience of dating? Mm -hmm. Like, I think that has what is, I mean, that's certainly what I experienced as happening when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's, that's true, but I don't think, so even, you know, looking at what does this, what does scripture say about, about dating? Um, you know, I, I agree with you that there's nothing explicitly that anyone can point to. Um, so, yeah, it, it does start to become, well, the way that it was done here in the Bible is the way we need to do it. Right. But like you said, it reflects a much different culture than the culture we live in today. And then that leads to people not really having the tools that they need when they actually get into, when they get their heart broken for the first time. How do you respond to that? If somebody um, crosses a boundary, mm-hmm. like how do you respond to that? Mm-hmm. And so it leads to a lot of confusion, a lot of, and then it, it leads to a lot of self, um, that's what I'm looking for, self-condemnation when, when mm, things don't go right. Exactly. Like, man, what did I do wrong? What, how, why, how did I let this happen? Right, right. Because what, what I, at least what I have seen is this storytelling or the attempt to kind of overlay the story of the betrothal. Um, on top of the modern dating experience, mm-hmm. right? So there's this story that young people have been told about a a a patriarchal kind of framework where the gentleman, the man, you know, the male partner seeks out mm-hmm. the female, you know, woman partner. And they need to kind of demonstrate some kind of chivalrous, you know, gesture to let, you know, the the woman know that she's worthy of his Mm. love. And and then there is some kind of, you know, reciprocation from the woman. And then, you know, there's this kind of overlay that's been attempted. And so if your dating relationship or the way that you've gone about dating doesn't match that. Mm-hmm. Then there's this kind of shameful, like, okay, I'm not doing it right. I'm not doing yeah. it the way that people say God wants me to do it. Mm-hmm. And that can leave people, like you said, just feeling condemned. Like, yeah. all I want to do is to just be coupled, right? Like, mm-hmm. with, if we go back to Genesis, that's a good thing. It's 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 not good for us to be alone. Therefore, it's good for us to want to be coupled, mm-hmm. But then I've gone about it in the best way that I can, and it just didn't happen to look like this betrothal type of thing. Mm -hmm. And now I I feel like I'm worthless. Yeah, like that. That can be really hard. And the thing that 
ends up happening is women feel that so much more often than men do, you know, because if you look at the betrothal kind of chivalrous picture that people have attempted to extract from scripture, it's, it's such an imbalance of power. Like the man does the seeking and the woman just does the waiting somewhere. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like it, you know, it's, it's all just, it it feels just like a catch 22, 22 for women. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it puts an incredible amount of pressure on women to, to, what's the word? To be found. Mm. <laughs> right? Oh, goodness. Like, like I, I just keep thinking about um, uh, Mulan in the beginning of Mulan, where she has to go to the matchmaker and they do all the makeup <laughs> and all that stuff. And sisters. Right. <laughs> so they're getting her all made up and ready um, to. To not even meet somebody, but to get in a position to meet somebody. To meet some, right. To be right. found. <laughs> like, sis, I can't even breathe in this girdle. <laughs> and it's just for me to be found? Just to be found. Just to be found. Just to be found. Um, so, yeah, we talked about, so maybe the Bible doesn't say things explicitly about dating. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But what what can we pull from scripture that will help us navigate um, dating relationships yeah I mean honestly I think there's so much that we can apply to dating and the first thing that I think about is like Psalm 139 mm-hmm. I think that's one of the most beautiful poems about the presence of God and you know the psalmist talks about how there's nowhere that you can go that God isn't and, and just this beautiful poem and then right down at the bottom it talks about wanting God to search me, know my heart, know, you know, know the concerns of my heart. And and the question is that is begged is, okay, to what end? And it's Mm -hmm. so that you can lead me in the way everlasting, right? Yeah. I I think that's part of the dating experience. It's not just learning about your partner, but learning about yourself. Mm -hmm. As you become, you know, intimate, not in the sexual sense, but in the emotional, intimate in intimate way um you're not just learning about somebody else but things are being revealed about yourself that you didn't know right how do you how do you relate in relation to another person how mm-hmm. does what comes out of you what personality traits what desires start to come out as you start to date people so um yeah that's a real that's that search me oh god is is god searching me but it's also me looking inward at myself Right, because God is not going to, I mean, if you read the poem, God is not just going to keep it a secret, right? Mm-hmm. Like you you pray, search me, oh God, so that you can hear from God what, yeah. <laughs> what God found. Uh-huh. And you can use that in order to shape your life toward the end of the yeah. everlasting way, right? So for me, like that, that just feels, that feels crucial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what else can we pull from scripture? Michael? What else can we pull? Um, so I definitely think that's that's essential. Honestly, another thing that comes to mind, which folks might feel like this is a curveball, but just just go with me here. <laughs> um, there's a scripture in like First Corinthians seven where Paul is basically saying to folks, "Look, I would rather that y'all would say single." Mm. And there's a whole bunch of commentary around why Paul would say that. But he eventually goes into, but if you don't Mm -hmm. and you end up getting married, here are two things I want to invite you into. 
And in verse four, he says, I want you to remember that you are both mutually obligated to one another. Mm-hmm. He, he uses strong language like the wife does not have the right over her own body and the husband does not have the right over his own body, mm-hmm. which is pretty harsh language. But there's there's a reciprocity there. Right. Like there's mm-hmm. this there's this mutual uh, choice to give yourself to one another. Mm-hmm. Right. And then he continues in verse five by saying, and then if you decide to abstain from being intimate with one another, make sure that you decide it together mm-hmm. and that you only do it for a time of prayer and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. For me, that feels applicable to dating because I think what Paul is elevating as a value is a commitment to mutuality and honoring consent. Yeah. Like, if you are going to be sharing this vulnerable relationship with one another, you need to be mutually committed to one another. Mm-hmm. Like that is a fundamental, I think, um, ingredient. Yeah. And what I think also comes out of that is a less exploitative kind of a dynamic, right? Like if you mm-hmm. are saying this is a, this is a mutual commitment to one another. Therefore, I am not going to just be using this person, using this person for my gratification, Mm -hmm. whether that's emotional or sexual gratification. I can think of so many relationships Mm -hmm. or even just like in my own life over my over the course of my life, relationships where that wasn't there. Mm -hmm. And that feeling of trust just constantly being this elusive thing Mm -hmm. was so stressful. Right. But then I I really do think verse five is an exploration of consent. Like Mm. Paul is saying, like, both of y'all need to decide this. And so, I mean, I know both of us have seen the way that, like, conservative Christianity has portrayed this really unfortunate, like, women just have this non-consensual commitment obligation to their husbands. Mm -hmm. And I would say that is absolutely not what scripture upholds. Mm-hmm. Like there needs to be a consensual decision. Yeah. And that is where that is where intimacy thrives, right? Like if you can trust that your partner is giving you space to consent to intimacy, mm-hmm. then that's where the beauty of exploring one another and trusting one another in intimacy flows out of. Yeah. Um, but I would say like the last thing that, like immediately comes to mind when it comes to dating, like what's applicable for scripture. I think about the fruit of the spirit, to be honest, like Galatians five, you know, there's these list of, of kind of um, characteristics that come out in your life when you are walking in step with the spirit. And I think what that invites us to think about is if you are in a relationship that makes it difficult for you to walk out the fruit of the spirit, then you probably need to set some boundaries with that mm-hmm. with that person, right? So if that if it makes it difficult to to be loving, to be peaceful, to use self control, that means a boundary is needed, mm-hmm. right? So those for me, those three things, or I guess four things: um, knowing thyself, committing to mutuality, honoring consent, and then measuring your relationships by the fruit of the spirit. Like I would say, mm-hmm. that's what Scripture says about dating. Yeah. I think if for people as people are walking away from this conversation, I I hope that that they leave with a freedom to set boundaries 
um, yeah. and and to establish those early on as you're dating. It's important to have that going into relationship. Don't let the relationship define your boundaries. Let your boundaries define your relationship. Mm. Um, and and to not feel that pressure to date perfectly. Like it's you guys. It's an experiment. It it's, really is. It, it is a process of meeting people, learning about yourself, learning about them, learning what you do. Like you don't know what you what you don't like until sometimes you experience it in a relationship. Unfortunately. <laughs> I, I wish there was another I way. I wish there was another way. <laughs> but that's just how that's how humans learn relationships. We learn mm-hmm. it by by doing it, by trying it. And I think for me the last thing I would want someone to take away is that just please don't believe anybody that says you're you're worthless or even implies mm-hmm. that your worth is changed by a dating relationship that you've had or a dating relationship you haven't had. Like yeah. there's a lot of single folks right now who are trying to figure out what like what am I worth if no one has pursued me the yeah. way that you know conservative dating advice says I should be pursued? Mm-hmm. It is a lie. Like your worth does not change. You are loved. You are lovable. It it dating does not change your worth. And don't feel like every relationship, every date has to lead to a betrothal and marriage and, <laughs> and happily ever after. It's yeah. okay. It's really okay. You might go on one day and be like, mm, not for me. And that's okay. That doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. It doesn't mean you made a mistake. Absolutely. It's all part of the process. Yeah. So dating, we're, we're talking about dating. But I think a subset of that, and pr- probably any relationship, mm-hmm. even beyond dating, mm-hmm. sometimes you get to the point where a relationship where somebody just stops returning your phone calls or text messages. Yikes. And kids, that's what we call ghosting. <laughs> I guess we can use the term kids now. We're yes, kids. Officially old. <laughs> yeah, man. And it's 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 not necessarily a new phenomenon, but it has been brought to light a lot more lately. There's a show on MTV about ghosting. Oh, that's right. Yes, from the producers of Catfish. <laughs> oh, I haven't even watched that yet. We, gosh, we sh- we should watch that. We should watch that. <laughs> we should watch that, and maybe you guys will get a review or something. About yeah, that. we'll see. Who knows? Um. But yeah, so ghosting, the act of abruptly ceasing all contact with another person without explanation. There it is. That's the definition. Yeah. Of course, this is not ideal, right? Like, ideally, if a relationship abruptly changes, you would want to have some kind of conversation about it. So Mm -hmm. what I don't want is for you, dear listener, to think that we're celebrating ghosting or that we're like saying this is an an ideal way to handle relationships. It's absolutely not what we're saying. What we're acknowledging is that it does happen. Right. But I think when, when I think about the reasons people ghost, what, what I've been discouraged by is that in social media or in mainstream conversation, it's been this kind of one sided reason that people ghost like oh this person just has terrible communication skills and they just decided that they would just not care about you and just leave you forever and it's just like the the list is a lot more complicated Mm -hmm. than that so Malcolm when you think about like reasons that someone ghosts or like if you have ghosted or (laughs) if you've been ghosted what are some of those reasons um yeah, uh, there could be. It could be just as simple as losing interest. 
Oh, so we being real honest. Hey, I'm just I'm just <laughs> over it. I don't want to. I don't want to talk no more. Yeah. Um. Sometimes you know it's a it's avoidance. People don't know how to deal with conflict in a healthy way. Mm. So what do I do? Remove myself literally. Yeah. <laughs> like sometimes that really is the reason. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So we talked about boundaries earlier. Mm. You know, you cross a boundary. Um. Whether that's a communicated boundary or not communicated boundary, that can lead you to take a step back and be like, mm, don't really feel like engaging anymore. Yeah. Um, mm. Maybe you just have a bad feeling, you know, maybe. Yeah, I've been kind of thinking about that. Like, the more we learn about relationships and relating, Neuroscience is telling us that it's a lot less conscious of a process than Mm. than we think. Like Mm -hmm. there is this kind of lower brain monitoring that we're constantly doing, Um, you know, in Dr. Stephen Porges, for example, I'm thinking of him. He's come up with the word uh, neuroception, right? It's kind of this. Under the underneath the surface monitoring that we do that kind of gives us the an idea of how safe we feel with other people. Mm-hmm. But what's difficult about it, that is that sometimes the lower part of the brain and nervous system doesn't communicate that with the top of the brain to put that into words. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes you get just a bad vibe. Like mm-hmm. someone might remind you of someone who's hurt you in the past, or they might smell like somebody who's hurt you in the past. Mm-hmm. Like there's so many unconscious ways that we are trying to figure out how safe we feel with other people. And sometimes we just don't have words for that. And so I do, I do think that ghosting becomes the way that people kind of deal with that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's real. I mean, how many times have you been in a situation where you didn't have the vocabulary or the understanding of what's happening in your own internal experience, don't have a way to really vocalize that. And so what do you do instead of putting in the work or, or whatever it takes being vulnerable enough to say that I don't know, there's something's just not right. You just yeah. completely step out of the situation. It's happened to all of us, mm-hmm. right? So I think for me, a more compassionate way to have the conversation is not just that like, oh, this person is super immature, but it could be that that person just hasn't, they just haven't been able to put it into words. Mm-hmm. Just yet. Um, yeah, I don't think I can think of any other. I mean, okay, well, there's the most obvious one, which is that someone has just been, emotionally abusive Mm -hmm. like there has been this pattern of this person you know hurting you a pattern of this person gaslighting you after you've tried to share with them like hey you've had this negative impact on me like newsflash like that does happen yeah um and the stories that we hear in the aftermath of people being ghosted sometimes that was a part of the story Mm -hmm. but of course no no one tells that part of the story. No one says like, oh, yep, the reason why I was ghosted was because I was being emotionally abusive, right? Mm-hmm. So the part that ends up being told is that this person decided to ghost and that they're just a terrible person as a result. I just think that's, you know, yeah. not the full story. Yeah, I think if a person has not shown themselves to be a safe space, a, a person I feel comfortable being vulnerable with, and I'm definitely not going to address any kind of abuse or breach of boundary with you, I'm just going to try to get away from the situation as best as I can. Right. Um, And that's kind of the worst case scenario for ghosting because then you have people that have these abusive tendencies or that disrespect boundaries and they go on continuing thinking, well, she was just crazy. 
Right. They just crazy. Because they haven't gotten that feedback. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, again, that's why we started this conversation with it's not ideal. Mm-hmm. Right. But everyone is in a position where they're trying to keep themselves relationally and physically safe. Mm-hmm. And so you have to make that decision sometimes, right? Like, am I going to, am I going to try for the 97th time Mm -hmm. to go to this person and tell them how their behavior is impacting me, how they're hurting me, or am I just going to protect myself and I'm going to bow out? Mm -hmm. A lot of people decide to bow out. Um, But I think another part of the conversation that's important is that the reasons that people ghost doesn't always come with like an intentionality on that other person's part Mm -hmm. right like this person just sat in a room one day and they just planned out all the ways that they could be toxic Mm -hmm. like that isn't always the case like i can think i can think of times in my life where i've been emotionally unhealthy and just not not a good friend like Mm -hmm. not self-aware not open to feedback and i'm just thinking like yeah like (laughs) that that version of myself would reasonably be ghosted. Like, mm. <laughs> like, you know, if I wasn't even open to hearing somebody say, like, Micah, you've really been kind of crappy to me lately. Of course that person would just bow out and try to protect themselves. But that's not a reflection of, like, a malicious intent. Yep. That's a reflection of me letting myself get so unhealthy mm-hmm. that I didn't even have the wherewithal, mm-hmm. you know, to get feedback. Yeah. I think it's easy to look at, look at this ghosting conversation and, and look at the people that are being ghosted and say, well, what do I do if I've been ghosted? <laughs> but I'm interested to kind of flip that conversation around. And, yeah. and what do I do if I'm considering ghosting someone? Mm. What questions should I be asking? What, what things should I be considering before I make that choice to just cut off communication with somebody? Right. I think the implication too is that most people don't just do this like impulsively, right? Mm-hmm. Most of the time you're you're you've been like agonizing mm-hmm. over this, like, ooh, am I gonna try this again mm-hmm. or what? And I think one question that's good to ask yourself is like, have have I tried to mm-hmm. say this before? Right? Because the ideal isn't to ghost. Mm-hmm. The ideal is to communicate, like, hey, you have hurt me. This is what I would ask for of you from in the future. Mm-hmm. If the answer is yes, and and there's a number attached to that, that's like, that's your non-negotiable number to cross. Like I've, I've tried to send this message 20 times and I just don't have the energy anymore. I think that's a good question to ask yourself first. Mm -hmm. If the answer is no though, and this is a person that you, that you value, you want to stay in relationship with, I don't think ghosting is the way to go. Mm Mm-hmm. So that like that's the first thing that comes to mind. Can you think of anything else that like that you would ask yourself if you were getting ready to ghost someone? Yeah, why why do I feel like I need to ghost this person? Mm. Um and what what do I hope what am I hoping to get out of it? Yeah. Like is this a situation where I need to remove myself? Is it an abusive situation or something like that where I feel like I need to make separation and even if i do do that it might be important to circle back at some point mm-hmm. and have the conversation about what what happened what what's going on what caused you to get to that point right um but or is it or is my hope to change behavior is my is my hope for, to make this person aware of what happened mm-hmm. and in that case like we talked about this 
ghosting is not the ideal outcome. Exactly, right. The, uh, having a conversation and helping that person understand how they've hurt you or crossed your boundary or whatever, I think that's the better option rather than ghosting. But I think sometimes it's just hard to communicate that. It is hard, but it's like if if you ask yourself, why am I potentially going to ghost this person? And the answer is I want to change their behavior. Like ghosting mm-hmm. is smooth, not the way to do that, mm-hmm. like you said. And so I think to answer your kind of hypothetical questions, really, I mean, I don't want to use absolutes, but I think one of the main reasons why would be if I am trying to escape Mm. Like that second one that you listed, like if this is a relationship that I really don't feel safe in anymore, Mm -hmm. my feelings aren't valued. If that is the why, then it's like, okay, right? Like I think you've ghosting is kind of your last resort. Mm -hmm. But if it's to change behavior or if it's to get some get back, Mm. like honestly, I, I mean, you know. Folks are going to choose what they want to choose. If that's the way you like to get your get back, then <laughs> I can't control you. But it's like, if it's revenge, then it's like, okay, you, I think you just kind of want to hurt someone because yep. you've been hurt. Yeah. And again, like some folks are at that point, like they're at, look, you didn't hurt me so much that I want to get some get back this way. But the ideal, I think in that situation I think it would be to say something mm-hmm. like, look, you've hurt me so many times that I got to the point where I, I think I wanted to do it back to you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a sign that our relationship has gotten to a really unhealthy point. This is what I would like. This is how I would like for you to love me in the future, mm-hmm. to, to care for me in the future. Yeah. So as we, as we kind of wrap up um, this ghosting conversation, what do you hope people leave with? What tools do we want to give people? <laughs> I think I think the big thing is communicate. We we have to have open lines of communication. Yeah. Um. I mean, that's the foundation of any healthy relationship is mm-hmm. open lines of communication. And like we talked about in our previous our previous uh, segment, is clearly defined and understood boundaries in mm-hmm. any relationship, whether it's dating or platonic, whatever. Yeah. Um. That will help you not get to the point where you feel like. I need to ghost this person. The hope and prayer is that you don't get to that point is that you're able to communicate, that you're able to have healthy communication between, between you and the person that you're in a relationship with. Right. And I mean, I I chuckled when you asked that because it just, it feels, it feels like such, it feels like such a a hard question, right. To Mm -hmm. be like, Ooh, what are the tools? But I do think that clear communication is key, but also I think, just curiosity about yourself, Mm. like doing a little bit of self-reflection is really important because then you get to say to yourself, okay, here are the boundaries that were crossed that I've been repeatedly trying to get honored. Or here are, you know, the feelings that I've communicated over and over again that just haven't been honored. Or maybe here, here are the ways that I've kind of failed to communicate these things Mm -hmm. to this other person. Right. So I think the communication and I think the curiosity would be would be two tools that I think are essential to kind of avoid ghosting altogether. Yeah. So as we review today's episode, we talked about holy dating. Is there such a thing as holy dating? <laughs> we talked about what scripture does and does not say about dating, but more specifically, we talked about what scripture tells us about relating with one another mm-hmm. um, as we date. We also left you guys with some advice to help you navigate 
dating as a Christian. Then we also talked about ghosting, the act of abruptly ceasing contact with one another without explanation. We remind you that this is not the ideal. There are other better ways to get your messages across. We talked about the reasons why you might ghost and then how to some, some steps, some tips, some questions to ask if you're considering ghosting somebody. And once again, what to remind you again, this is not the ideal. Mm-mm. Ghosting is a last resort. Really only for safety purposes, probably is the only reason. And one of the mm-hmm. things we didn't talk about is the, the ripple effects of ghosting. What does that do to the emotional state of the person that you're in relationship with? Yeah. Because, a lot of times it leaves a lot of unanswered questions. It can lead to a lot of blame and can have some repercussions and some effects that you're not necessarily considering. Mm-hmm. But that's not the end of the conversation, guys. We'd love to hear what you guys think about dating, what you guys think about ghosting, what was helpful about this conversation, what things did we miss? Mm-hmm. This might even be something that we go to, we do a part two on. I think this is something that we could talk about. Oh, yeah. Talk about some more. <laughs> but we would love to interact with you. Use the hashtag hashtag talk about it p-o-d let us know what you think um and also follow our company urban arts digital at urban arts dig on twitter at urban arts digital on instagram and facebook we'll be posting other questions clips from this episode and some other great content that we'd love for you guys to engage with but if you'd like to talk to us directly micah how can people connect with you you can connect with me on twitter only at j marie morgan And that's on Twitter only. And what about you, Malcolm? How can they connect with you? They can connect with me on Instagram and Twitter at Malcolm D-O-T Media. I would love to hear from you guys. That is Instagram and Twitter. I had to remember which social network I said. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Is that it? Is that all we got for today? I think we might have done a thing. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Well, we thank you guys for joining us. My name is Malcolm Morgan. And I'm Micah Morgan. And we'll see you all next time.